1: IB Nation, it is a Monday, which means it is time for a little Notre Dame Recruiting Hour. Of course, we just are coming off of the home loss to the Marshall Thundering Herd, 26-21 to on Saturday. But the good news is that me and Sean have a lot to talk about, right, Sean, because it was a recruiting weekend. There were some nice players on campus, both 2023 and 2024 alike. So in today's recruiting hour, we're going to get into... Some of the reactions from the visit this weekend on the recruiting side of things. We're also going to talk about some of the commits and uncommitted targets in both 2023 and 2024 class that were in action this past week and weekend on the gridiron to to highlight some of the best performances that they had. Big wins, touchdowns, big tackles for loss. Like there was so much great things to talk about from a future perspective the recruiting side of things we're gonna get into that and then we'll talk a little general college football I know everybody of course wants to talk about the state of the program the loss to Marshall I, I get it folks and if you all want to start putting in questions when we get to our mailbag which will be the third section of this podcast we will be able to talk about all that type of stuff so feel free at any point to put in questions I am Ryan Roberts the director of recruiting here at irishbreakdown.com. Of course, joined by Mr. Sean Davis, recruiting analyst from irishbreakdown.com. Unfortunately, was not able to get with Sean this past weekend. He was not able to attend the Marshall game. But, Sean, I know it was a very frustrating weekend, to say the least. I understand that you I, – I watched the post-game show that you were on, of course, with Brian and Vince. And it, I know it was a frustrating circumstance. But I am personally, my, my friends, excited to talk about recruiting today. I am.
2: Yes, I am as well. I, and I thought, Ryan, I thought I was rather measured on the post-game show. A little yeah. less. Uh, just just frustration,
1: man. I mean, what are you going to do about it? There's always going to be frustrating. But it's, it's. I, I know that, in, again, I already led with this a little bit. But, Sean, I think we need to talk about it just briefly. So we're not going to get, like, super heavy into the Tyler Buckner season-ending injury, non-throwing shoulder that's going to cost, that's going to sideline him for four months. So, unfortunately, starting quarterback Tyler Buckner is out for the 2022 season. We're not going to dive heavy into the injury, the implications, all that good stuff from the team perspective as much. So, if you want to dive more into that, you should t- tune into IB Nation Sports Talk tonight at 6 o'clock. Or you can tune back in tomorrow for the Irish Breakdown Daily Podcast where me and Brian will dive heavy. It's just kind of the state of the team after the un- unfortunate and uh, very disappointing loss because I was in South Bend this weekend. So it was not a, was not how I was picturing my weekend to go. It was a great weekend otherwise, but then the, the, uh, the game kind of, it it ripped the sail a little bit in, in this, in this regard. So we'll get into the recruiting of course, but Sean, I think that we need to start just with this different perspective on the Tyler Buckner injury, right? So Tyler Buckner injured. You now are going to go into, he's going to be a third year player next year when he is in theory back from his injury and ready to go. Yeah. And you're going to potentially be out. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. This is speculation, but you don't know what the future holds with drew pine. Cause he's going to be a graduated player. Does he transfer? Does he stay? I, I don't know. Right? Like we'll see what happens with that. You have Steve Angeli. You have Ron Paulus the third, that's your death chart right now at the quarterback position. The main talking point from the recruiting side for some time now has been CJ Carr, 2024 recruit in um, five-star quarterback, number 20 player in the country, according to 247 Sports reclassification. It's been a hot topic of debate. The staff has been very open to the reclassification. The Carr family, and CJ's particularly, has been a little less – open to it right like he under like it's something he's considering but I don't I don't think it's something that he necessarily wants to do I guess the starting point here Sean is does the fact of the uncertainty at the quarterback position the fact that you did not see enough of a sample size of Tyler Buckner to truly understand what the future of the position is going to look like if you're CJ Carr does this change your opinion on reclassification at all because I mean you could come in and you could battle from day one for that quarterback spot, in theory. I mean, you can, because at that point, you're an unproven quarterback, but there's a lot of unproven that's on the roster right now.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
3: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including
4: EE system.
2: Ryan, let's take a big picture look at this, right? We understand that You know, once Dante Moore decided to silently decommit because he was silently committed to Notre Dame for a while, that it left a void in the recruiting class in 2023. Notre Dame felt comfortable because when that happened, they already had a commitment from CJ Carr. The only problem is he's only coming as a part of 24 class. So you still have no recruitment for the quarterback position in 23. Long story short, Let's spin this to the point that we look at it as a positive, right? To where you have to feel, and I said this on the post-game show, if you are a big-time quarterback that's still uncommitted or at a situation where you know going in you might have to sit, you can look at the Notre Dame situation and honestly say to yourself, I can go in and compete for that job next year. Like, that's that's honest. And that really has to be a pitch, in a sense, for Notre Dame. Like, hey, you can come here and start next year. Like, small sample size from Tyler. He'll be the incumbent. Coming back from injury, like you said, Drew Pine, I don't think he wants to sit behind Tyler another year. You have Steve Angeli. You get someone. That might be committed elsewhere. That's a four-star, a five-star that knows that's a guy in front of me that I know I'm sitting behind for two years. He might look at this Notre Dame situation and say, hey, I can go get on the field. I can go get on the field at Notre Dame and play big-time football. So it's going to be very interesting. I think this, this injury creates a very interesting decision for the staff and we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I think we're going to be busy, myself and you, really trying to dig deep and see, you know, who the staff is looking at, who they're talking to, who might be visiting in upcoming weeks. Yep. And it's going yeah. to keep us busy. But, you know, I would much rather be busy than to be, <laughs> you know, not have anything to talk about. So I hate Amen. that it came as a result of an injury. You never want that for a young man and, um, Godspeed to Tyler Buckner, but this is where we sit as far as the quarterback position at Notre Dame right now. Yeah.
1: And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about some of those quarterback names, probably near the mailbag as I already saw a couple of people kind of ask that Sean and yeah. we're going to earn our money over the yeah. next uh, few months, man. So well, Luckily, well, not luckily the state of how everything is happening from a recruiting perspective is going to keep us employed for a little bit. So hopefully we do a good job. Uh, hopefully you all are entertained or happy with the co- recruiting coverage that we do forward here on the Irish Breakdown podcast. But uh, Sean, I know so that I, I wanted to reiterate a couple things that you already said. Right? I think that there is a bigger sell now for CJ Carr to reclassify if he would want to. Right? I mean, it, it's a it is a Trajectory that you can see pretty easily, right? Not, I want to say easily because I still like Tyler Buckner. I still think Tyler Buckner could be a really good player when he gets back healthy. But the fact of the matter is that Tyler Buckner has had two season ending injuries in the last four years or whatever it is, right? And there's yeah. been some durability stuff, and he didn't give you enough of a sample size. Like you only played not even two football games as the starter. So he's a question mark right now. He is. And with that question mark in, in effect, I mean, if you have a five star quarterback, it's something where I have to think, because I know CJ is a really, really confident kid, right? He's extremely confident. CJ Carr is looking at this right now and saying, I can come in and I can compete. So I'm still not for the reclassification stuff. I'm not. I'll be very honest with you. I'm just not. I, I, I would rather him be patient and continue to develop. But the fact of the matter is, is this might change things. Again, I'm not saying it will we haven't gotten any inside information of like, Hey, CJ's now like fully on board or anything like that. It's yeah. just putting out into the universe that it may be more attractive maybe than it once was for CJ Carr. So we'll keep an eye out. We'll talk a little bit more about quarterback recruiting in the mailbag for today. Cause again, we have a couple names that have kind of just been floating out there. And we're going to see, like Sean said over the next couple months, seeing visits and who's going to get on campus and all that type of stuff. It's going to be interesting. So, We're going to save that, though, for the mail pack. Sean, let's talk about the talent, though. Not a part of the Notre Dame program yet that was on campus this past weekend. Obviously, the big name, biggest name that everyone's focused on and interested in, I think, is that 2023 running back out of Christian Brothers in St. Louis, Missouri, that you, I know you are very, very uh, very well in tune with at this point. You're a big fan of him. Jeremiah Love, star running back who is ranked as a top 100 recruit by multiple services now in 2023, viewed as the last huge target on the board for Notre Dame on the offensive side of the football. Notre Dame really wants to have Jeremiah Love in this in this class. So the whole backstory again, we, we hashed this out before, but I just want to reiterate it before we get into the actual visit. So the importance of this visit was Notre Dame wanted to get, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah Love wanted to get his mom to come to campus because he's visited now three times. The first unofficial, his mother was dealing with some work issues, so she couldn't get off of work. Second, she was dealing with COVID, so she wasn't able to make the trip on on the official visit. This is a visit that was not originally planned during the summer, but Jeremiah wanted to do it at the end end of August. He made the decision that he wanted to get up for the first home game because he wants his mom to be able to meet the staff and kind of break bread and do all that type of stuff and see a game day atmosphere, right? So the big person in this recruitment was the mother for Jeremiah Love. So, Sean, I know we want to talk about this a little bit, and we're going to drop more a deeper intel as we, as we gather more information from our sources. The source that I have close to the Love family is that they had a really good time on the trip they were impressed from the academic side of everything, from the game day atmosphere side of everything, from the coach's perspective, right? Like they loved the the time that they had from a campus exposure perspective. Obviously, the big hiccup in this plan is that you got upset by Marshall, right? Like the game did not go the way that you wanted it to go. The one positive To this, and I try to be as positive as possible. Is the other major player for Jeremiah Love is Texas A&M, who happened to get upset as well by another Sun Belt team, by Appalachian State, seventeen to fourteen. So, if Texas A&M just like completely destroyed Appalachian State, and Notre Dame just sitting with that really difficult loss, I think that this one could have shifted a little bit. But as of right now, I still can feel good about where Notre Dame is, Sean. Now, the plan is, is Jeremiah Love is going to take the visit next weekend to Texas A&M. And from what I am told, they want to be done with it the end of this month. Like like September, it's over with. So I still feel very optimistic about Jeremiah Love. Obviously, you wanted the game to be different because there's two ways you can look at it. One is... If Audric Estime, Chris Tyree, all these dudes are just breaking off big chunks and doing a great job, then it's a pretty easy sell. Like that's you in this offense and your big time speed is going to be accentuated and your size is going to be accentuated in this offense. We know how to use you. The other side of it is, though, is that Notre Dame can't. And I'm not saying they are selling it at this. I'm just saying how I would sell it is like, hey, we need you. You see that like you can play, you can play here and you could be a difference maker. Right. So, again, I'm not saying that's how they're selling it to him. What I'm telling you, though, is that Notre Dame did a really good job on this visit for everything else outside of losing the football game. So I still feel good about where Jeremiah Love is, but we will keep you updated. Again, I'll have further intel on a little more of specifics on the visit some behind the scenes stuff on the board. So you should go to com and, and sign up today. Cause I'm telling you right now, probably by tonight, I will have a nice little Intel piece on the board, if not tomorrow at some points. Right. So I would, I would go check that out. And I think the last hurdle, Sean is that Texas A&M is going to get another visit, right? So they're going to get a last crack at it, but I still feel good about where Notre Dame is with Jeremy love. Personally.
2: I still feel pretty good. You have talked to the family or connections to the family. And my communication surrounding Jeremiah Love has been with one of his buds from St. Louis that's already committed in the 23 class, Christian Gray, out of Desmet High School up there. And uh, Drake Bowen, who for the first time got to sit down and talk to and meet Jeremiah Love this weekend. They spent a lot of time together as a trio on the visit. Uh, They took multiple pictures together. Uh, Drake spoke to him last night. Drake felt like that the trip, like you, went very well. Uh, the vibe was good. Said Jeremiah was, you know, having a great time. But he's very aware as a player that Texas A&M is, you know, going to get a shot at this, you know. But the vibe, when I talked to Christian Gray, Christian Gray is adamant. And it feels like, yo, he's coming to Notre Dame. So that's encouraging. You know, coming from the guys that they have a really good vibe and they still feel like Notre Dame has a really good shot, even though Texas A&M is going to get the last swing at things. And all we can say is, yo, it would have been much better with a win, but the trip went very well, according to everyone that was involved.
1: This is the fact of the matter, and this is my opinion, right? This is speculation on my part. It is an educated opinion, but it is still my opinion. So I want to put that on the universe. I think mm-hmm. if Notre Dame just had it, had the game they should have had against Marshall and dominated the football game and everything else went the, way, the same way it went, this one's probably over, if I'm being honest. Like, I'm not saying that it would have been announced yesterday. I'm not saying it would have been announced today, but I think that Jeremiah Love would be in the class, ultimately, if the game went the way it should have went. So Notre Dame, unfortunately, left it open a little bit, but it's not the end of the world. It's still, they still have time to to figure this out, and I still do think that they're in the lead. So like you take yeah. that as for what you will. We will know in just a short couple weeks what the end decision is for Jeremiah Love, but I still think they're in a good spot. Sean, sure, I know we wanted to talk about. You had conversations with Drake Bowen, star linebacker out of Indiana. You also had conversations with Christian Gray, cornerback commit out of the St. Louis uh, Desmet Jesuit area, um, High School as well. So there was a few key commits that obviously were on campus; those two included. Peter Jones, 2024 offensive tackle commit was also in in um, attendance during this game. So Notre Dame had some some committed players on campus, which was always nice to see. Just is there any tidbits that you want to drop to the folks as far as from Drake Bowen's perspective, Christian Gray's perspective, any other of the committed guys that you were able to talk to after the game?
2: Well, they got a chance to meet 24 recruits, 25 recruits. Didn't have any prolonged conversations with those guys because they're whole objective was Jeremiah Love. That was their objective for coming to Notre Dame, even though this was not the brainchild of Chad Bowden, who's done a tremendous job because Christian didn't know that Jeremiah was coming and Drake didn't know that Christian was coming. But it ended up being serendipitous that they all got there and everything turned out the way that it did. Like you said, if they had won, the recruitment more than likely would have been over if things had gone the way most thought it would go as far as the game on Saturday. Drake Boyne continues to drive home, that he's very personable. He went around, introduced himself, said hi to kids that on 24, 25 cat, spoke to Peter Jones, and he's just willing to do whatever. And I think mm-hmm. both of them, immediately after the game, chose to hop on social media and yep. make it known that they were still 1,000% committed to Notre Dame and nothing has changed. And then you saw the trio of wide receivers, Braylon James, Rico Flores, and Jaden Greathouse showing the text thread that they had during and after the game saying, yeah, wait till we get there. Wait till the three-headed goat gets there. So this 23 class has such a family feel. And I think that family feel comes from what's trying to be established at Notre Dame by Marcus Freeman which is a much different atmosphere than the CEO atmosphere. They're trying to switch over to a family atmosphere. And that's what you see being shown during tough times from the 23 class. As far as Christian Gray, he's super excited. Uh, he, we did talk about his early enrollment. He will be a January guy coming into Notre Dame. And he's super excited seeing the two freshmen getting tick and being successful He feels like that he's going to be able to get on the field next year for Notre Dame as well. So we talk about the on-field product being one of the biggest factors in recruiting, even though the weekend didn't go as we expected it to go. There are certain things being seen by the 23 and 24 class that makes them believe Notre Dame is a place to come to if you want to be developed early and get on the field.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I wanted to, Pull this up real quick, Sean, because I just wanted to get this one out of the way. I didn't want to wait until the mailbag on this one. So Sean Rogers said, how many recruits decommit besides Bowen? And of course, he's talking about Peyton Bowen, star safety. Out of Denton guys. Sean, I'm gonna, I'm just going to say this point blank, and I'll let Sean add anything to it that he wants. But look, look, I, I am one of those guys that at this point, just learning in a short amount of time what I've learned, I will believe that everyone signs with the dotted line when they sign on the dotted line at this point, right? Especially in this world that we're in now with the NIL stuff. All I'll say is this, though, right? Right now, Peyton, Peyton Bowen is committed to the University of Notre Dame. I don't know what ends with that circumstance, but right now he is committed to the University of Notre Dame. And I haven't heard anything from their side that tells me that it, there's unsettleness. I understand why this conversation keeps happening because, hey, he wore an Oklahoma wristband and gloves during the last game. I get it, okay? I get it. Trust me. But the the part of the question that – and I don't mind you asking that question, that part of the question. There's a question about Peyton, and we'll we'll dig more into Peyton during the mailbag. Like That's fine. Peyton aside, why are we assuming that there's going to be this mass exodus of recruits? Because I haven't talked to any other recruit in this class, Sean, that I'm legitimately worried about. I'm not worried about anybody else in 2023 as we stand, right? Peyton Bowen, we'll see what happens. Okay. I understand he's keeping his options open and Oklahoma, Texas AM, all that good stuff. Sure. Okay. Let's see how that one ends. Fine. Everybody else, though, like I just I just don't understand why this is there's an assumption this is gonna happen. Okay. So that that's all I gotta say to, to that. I don't know if you want to add anything, Sean, but can we just can we just take this a day at a time right now? Can we? I mean, I, I just there's negativity. There's a lot of negativity out there right now. And again, I get it, because folks, I was in the stand during this game. Right? You want to talk about? You want to talk about negativity? I was extremely negative after this game, and you have every right to be negative about this game. But yeah. can we keep it to the game? Right? Like that game stunk. I don't, I don't even know if I could say whatever. That game stunk. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. But. I don't understand why we're assuming there's gonna be a mass exodus. I just I just don't like my I don't like going that far into it. Like yeah. I saw someone on the message board said, like, Sean, I don't know if you saw this post, but someone said Jeff Quinn is a better offensive line coach than Harry Heastan. The game is passing by. I'm just like, guys, what are we doing? Seriously, I understand frustration. I get it. Notre Dame's zero two. You had expectations. I get it, man. Trust me, I'm a fan. At the end of the day, I love this team. I love this program. Right. And it is not good right now. I mean, that that loss on Saturday was terrible. And I was in attendance for it. Yeah. There's no there's no doubt about it. And I know we're not going to go too far into this tangent. But can we just not – like the sky is falling slightly. All right? It is not a great start to the season. But can we not let the whole sky fall? Can we just let part of it fall? Right? Like mm-hmm. I don't – like just don't make things worse than they have to be. Right? It's bad right now. But this doesn't have to be – they're going to lose every recruit in the book. They're going to go zero twelve. Like all this stuff. Like I get it. I get it. Trust me. I understand the skepticism. I understand the negativity. Vent in your own way. But Sean Rogers specifically in this one. And I'm not. I, I apologize if I came too hard on this one. But I, I don't have. I don't have any. I don't have any inkling that there's going to be a, this mass exodus. And I don't have any inkling that there's any other recruit in the class in 2023 that I am overly worried about right now. I'm not. Mm-hmm. So. That's all I wanted to say. Just want to hit um, that one
2: real quick. In recruiting, I see someone in the chat, you know, refer to like Notre Dame recruiting in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. fine, all right? Um, what I do know about recruiting is that there is no surprise when you have decommitments from certain players. We knew coming in that Keon Keeley was a high decommit kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We knew when Peyton Bowen committed that he was a decommit, watch him. We knew Dante Moore silently when we knew he was committed. We knew because of certain circumstances, okay, we have to watch this because it's a possibility that he might not end up in Notre Dame.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: This doesn't surprise us. So if he decides to decommit, that's not shocking. And it has nothing to do with Notre Dame. It has to do with those types of kids and what them or their families might be looking for. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as that. And if they decide to be swayed by something else and not live up to their commitment, that's a choice. That's well within their rights. But it has nothing to do with Notre Dame. Yep. Like you're a Notre Dame fan. We're Notre Dame fans. Unfortunately, we don't have certain counters to other people in the SEC. We just don't.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: This is a new program under a new regime. Building a new foundation. Either you want to get in on the ground floor or you don't. And if you don't, that's fine. But tell me this. When was the last time you saw a recruiting class with three dogs at wide receiver at Notre Dame? Not three players. Three dogs. And and we'll get into a couple of their
1: performances from this past week. Three dogs at wide
2: receiver. And that's why you got the response you got from them collectively reassuring Notre Dame fans, don't worry. They didn't say we're committed. They said wait till you see. Wait till we get there. Just wait. This won't happen on our watch when we get to Notre Dame. And those are the type of athletes that's part of this twenty three class. Those are the type of personalities and mentality that are part of this twenty three class. So, right, the Peyton Bowen stuff. Has nothing to do. with – We Peyton Bowen was on decommitment watch the day after he committed to Notre Dame. So, and,
1: and that that's the thing, Sean, is that this this loss isn't going to cause Peyton Bowen to decommit. If Peyton Bowen if Peyton Bowen ended up, ends up decommitting, it's because it was always going to happen. It was being going honest. To happen. If yep. if if they were two and zero right now and looked great. It, it was still going to happen ultimately. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't yeah. think that the loss of Marshall is the reason that Peyton Bowen decommits if he ultimately does. That's just my opinion. It's my opinion, okay? Yeah. We Like someone said in the chat, we have been talking about this for months, not yeah. like a couple days, not a few yeah. weeks, yes. months. And again, yes. I'm not saying that Peyton Bowen will not ultimately end up going somewhere else. Not yeah. saying that. All I'm saying is it's not going to be because they lost to Marshall. That's all I'm saying. It's not gonna be because of that, right? There's gonna it's gonna be because of other factors. All right? right. So let's just leave it there. Let's get into the positivity of this podcast, Sean. The future of Notre Dame football, in my opinion, is still bright, right? Because you just mentioned it. Three dogs coming to Notre Dame. And let's start there. Why not? We'll start. We usually start with the quarterbacks and we'll get into CJ Carr, what he did this past weekend in a victory. But let's go to my
2: receivers. Can that be the question of the day? What's that? For IB Nation. because you know, I'm sure we have a ton of historians in the chat. hmm mm-hmm. Guys, name the last wide receiver class that that brought in three dogs at the wide receiver position.
1: And that that's not even counting Dylan Edwards, who's a 4-3 athlete who's going to play the slot for Notre Dame. Because you're you're talking, of course, about Rico Flores, you're talking about Jaden Greathouse, you're talking about Braylon James. And we'll get into two out of three of those guys. Dylan Edwards is another. And then guess what, Sean? We're going to talk about another kid named Tayshawn Lyons during this segment that, Notre Dame is, that is very high on Notre Dame, who is expected to be on campus for Notre Dame against That's the Indy Cow game. Yeah. And he just had one of the best weeks I've ever seen of a high school wide receiver in general. So, yeah, it could end up being a really good five-man class for Notre Dame. At least it's a really good four-man class. So, again, it, it, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. But let's start with Braylon James, Sean. You mentioned him already a little bit. Yeah. He in a victory, Sony points 3-0, by the way. They're off to a good start. 55 to 7 over Pflugerville, which dominant, dominant game. Four receptions, 114 yards, and a touchdown for Braylon James. Again, showing off his big playability. Over 20 yards of catch, near 30 yards, right? Because yeah. So near 30 yards a catch for Braylon James. And now that is three straight games to start the year with a touchdown reception. So Braylon James. Good football player, Sean. Very good football player. Yeah. You already mentioned Jane Greathouse, who his team won fifty six to six over Atkins. Of course, he's at Westlake High School in Texas. Didn't have a huge day as far as a as a receiver, just because he only played a couple quarters in this one because they were dominating. But he still had four receptions for ninety two yards, led the team in receiving. And guess what? For the second straight week, I t- a Punt return for touchdown, took 152 to the house after taking a 61-yarder last week as well. So, Jaden Greathouse, who I'm the president of the Jaden Greathouse Fan Club, he (laughs) is off to a great start the the last couple weeks especially. Two punt returns for touchdowns and back-to-back weeks. Over 100 yards receiving last week, 92 on only four catches, but again, he only played one half of football. Dylan Edwards, Derby team. You want to talk about not really needing to mess that burst past the first half, Sean? Sixty-nine to twenty, Derby defeated South High School. Of course, it's out of the state of Kansas. Did not get a total on how many yards he had in this game, but I do know that he had a fifty-seven-yard touchdown run that you can find on Twitter. That was a pretty impressive play for Dylan Edwards, yeah. man, showcasing that speed. So let's talk about that that wide receiver group for the twenty twenty three, Sean, and then we'll talk a little bit about. Someone to keep an eye on and a 2024 20, wide receiver, but man, all very different football players. Braylon James, kind of your taller, vertically oriented, speed type of receiver. Jane Greathouse, physical, can kind of do a little bit of everything. And then yeah. Dylan Edwards is the five foot nine, 165 pounds slot receiver that can run a four three. So Notre Dame's got some dudes coming. Rio Flores was on a bye week this week, but to your point, Sean, I want you to reiterate it again. 2023 wide receiver group is pretty good that's coming to Notre Dame.
2: And they're pretty confident. And I you know, understand IB Nation is saying, well, heck, if they get here, are they going to get on the field? Someone has to play. Brayden Lindsey's gone. I suspect that somebody's going to transfer in that wide receiver room. Somebody in the freshman or sophomore class has to play by sheer numbers. So we can relax on that. I understand that we're waiting for Chansey Stucky and his development to take place and see whether or not Tobias can be that guy that we think he can be. I don't know why he hasn't played the first two weeks. We can sit here and say he should be on the field. That's quite possible, right? Even without him playing, they had opportunities to win both games. We both agree with that, right, Ryan? Like, regardless of him playing, They had opportunities to win both games with whomever played. So when we talk about these wide receivers, they're going to bring a different mentality. And the excitement is now, I just say to myself, like they said, wait till we get there. Things are going to be different. I agree. And as long as we can supply the quarterback and the offensive line to protect, points are going to be put up on the board at Notre Dame. That's that's the way I see it. Like, I'm watching their performance, special teams, slot, X, Y, being moved all over the field, being used in jet sweeps, reverses, the versatility and diversity in the talent that's coming to Notre Dame in that 23 class. You have to be excited. There is nothing to say all man about. You're getting this talent on your roster. You're getting your talent on this, Robin. I see someone said, well, you know, Peyton Bowen is a cl- gap closer. You know, sure. ate, you know who ate Peyton Bowen's lunch and that entire secondary from Denton Geyer? Jaden Greyhouse. Go check yeah. him out in the championship game yeah. and, and see what he did to Peyton Bowen and the rest of that secondary.
1: A, a secondary that has four div- division one yes. defensive backs.
2: Like yes. a pretty good secondary. there yes. in
1: Denton and uh, Denton Geyer. Yep. It's uh, yeah, Sean. I mean, again, it's frustration. I get it. Like everyone's allowed to be frustrated. So if they want to put it out there, it's fine. I get it. All I know is to your point, there is a diverse group coming in next year for 2023, which will yep. help with the, issues that notre dame has right now from a depth perspective and i mean a guy like jane greathouse i think could play all three spots in notre dame's you know i think he could play in the boundary i think he could play in the field i think he could play to the slot so i'm excited to see him what i'm really excited about though sean and i'll be very honest about this so cam williams was one of the first commits to the 2024 class out of Glenbard south yeah so he was a player that when when he committed to notre dame sean I liked him a ton. I compared him to I, I compared him to Lorenzo Styles Jr. and I think Brian said uh, we just talked on the phone that he he had him as like a top 100 caliber type of football player. So we we both liked him a ton. But I'll say this: he is playing through the first three games much much at a much higher level than even I gave him credit for. If I'm being honest, yes. man, he's had three straight hundred yard games, had a season high 141 yards, and on and two touchdowns on six receptions, and Glenbard South's 56-21 to victory over Larkin. That's three straight 100-yard games for for Mr. Cam Williams, and that is six touchdown receptions in three games. So I always kick this one to you, Sean, because I know that's your guy. You're a big fan of Cam, man. He's off to a great start this season. Another dynamic performance from Cam Williams this past week.
2: You know, Cam, out of the trio – That's Jack Larson, Cam Williams, and C.J. Carr that really jumped off the 24 class. Cam was probably uh, the least applauded, you know, when it came to the fan base and coverage. And he's the type of kid that has taken, you know, these conversations. We hear about the conversation that ultimately landed Charles Jagasaw with his film session with Harry Easton. And we hear about the love that C.J. Carr and the relationship he has with Tommy Rees. Cam Williams has so much trust in Chancey Stuckey and the conversation that they had at the Irish Invasion and their conversations that continued over the summer that he's like, yo, everything that Coach Stuckey told me has made me a better receiver. Every single thing because he immediately went home and started to apply the little tidbits at receiver to get better. And you're starting to see the outcome with how he's playing and their offense, Ryan was supposed to be the weaker side of their team. It was the younger side of their team. Their defense was supposed to be the thing that held them into games and pretty much led them to victory. And they've been on a scoring bench. The first three, I mean, you talk about reverses, RPOs, deep passes, play action, run game. They're doing everything in a pretty, this was their first conference game this past weekend. So they'll get into the heart of the conference and things will get tougher. But what they're doing in the first three games and Cam Williams leading the way, doing not just lining up a receiver, slot, backfield, reverses, jet sweeps, He's done everything and he's probably scored 5 different ways already in this season. He has a chip on his shoulder. He won't say it, but he has a chip on his shoulder. He thinks he's better and should be rated higher nationally. Mm-hmm. He thinks he should be rated higher in the state of Illinois and he's on a he's on a mission to lead this team to a state title. Like that's that's his focus. Win a state title, get better, get to Notre Dame and dominate. So the kid's holding up his end of the bargain.
1: Well, and and again, Sean, I, I, the comparison that I keep bringing back is I think he plays a lot like Lorenzo styles. I think they're pretty similar athletes. So I'm excited about Cam Williams. And I know we had a question in the chat about what year he is. Again, he's 2024 wide receiver. So a junior in high school right now off to a tremendous start. I already teased this Sean, but, uh, there was a Notre Dame wide receiver targets that was in action this past weekend or mm-hmm. fr- past Friday, I should say, Mr. Tayshawn Lyons, that is out of Tennyson high school in Hayward, California. They beat Mount Eden 48 to six. And Sean, I, I want to, I'm going to save the stat line twice so that <laughs> everyone appreciates what I'm about to say. So Tayshawn's off to a great start to the year, but he, in this game had a school record, three hundred and three receiving yards and three touchdowns on eight receptions. Wow. I say again, Tayshon Lyons had 303 yards receiving in one football game on eight catches and scored three touchdowns. Fantastic, fantastic performance. And I know there's going to be some people that are going to say, you know, the level of competition in California. And folks, I hear you. Trust me. I hear you. But all I'm going to say is I don't care who you have 300 yards against. 300 yards is 300 Thank yards you. receiving, man. That is just that Thank is just you. silly, 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 silly stuff. So wanted to, wanted to talk about him a little bit because, again, he is expected to be on campus for the Cal game. We think that Notre Dame is in a great position. He is the cousin of Tariq Bracey, for people that don't know that out there. So, I mean, Sean, 303 yards receiving in a high school football game, man. I never heard anything like that before. I, I I don't I I don't know what the I'm sure there's a, a crazy record nationally that it's just like how the heck did someone have 400 something yards receiving, but 303 yards on eight catches for Tayshon Lyons? That's over 30 yards a catch. Easy math there. Just a ridiculous week for Tayshon Lyons out of Tennyson High School.
2: Who was the defensive coordinator on the other side? Ah man, I, 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 I had to play. think.
1: I'm putting uh, Sean. I'm a big numbers guy. But, uh, well, from a football perspective, but I, I I would like to say that at some point
2: I would vacate two to three guys on every single play. Against <laughs>
1: but, After the first
2: 150, it's like, okay, we need to put two or three guys on this guy and force them to do something else. But like you said, it's an amazing accomplishment at the high school level to go ahead and put those numbers up. And we have, I think both of us, along with Brian, have come to have a greater appreciation for Tayshaun Lyons from the first time we watched his film. Like, when he got the offer and we watched his film, we were like, okay, all right. Yeah. Good player, you know. I thought, I, th- the I, thought
1: he, I thought he had a little Kevin Stefferson to him, man. Like, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it, yeah. Yeah.
2: And now we're seeing his performances and it's like, okay. All right. Yeah. So the visit would be big. Cal was another one of the schools that are on his list along with a few other Pac-12 schools. So it's a showcase for him to watch both programs up close and personal. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity for Notre Dame to either get close to sealing the deal or seal the deal. Once again, I don't know any recruit that does not want to play early. Like no recruiter sitting there like, yeah, I want to sit for two years. (laughs) And I'm cool sitting for two years and then I'll get my time. No. Like recruits want to play early and they want to see the opportunity to play early. Like, we can talk about development and getting guys on the field. One thing we can say about Notre Dame right now, if you are a wide receiver, there is plenty of opportunity yes. to play and make mm-hmm. an impact, and that's very attractive to a guy like Tayshawn Lyons. has to be. He's coming all the way from California to South Bend, Indiana, for a trip. So, yeah. and he he made sure – that he locked in that trip early. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, look, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I think this fan base right now is kind of shell-shocked. Yeah. And I'm glad we can serve them some positivity today in the form of recruiting like, yo. We're we're trying, man. We're trying.
1: I don't know know if it's having an effect, but we're certainly trying, man. Certainly trying. I mean, I'll say this. Again, he's not committed to the University of Notre Dame right now, but we think that Notre Dame could very well maybe end it if he has a yeah. great if he has a great um, a great visit to to South Bend for the Cal game and you know, yeah. hope that that game goes pretty well for Notre Dame. But either yeah. way, if Notre Dame is able to get Tayshawn Lyons as a fifth receiver in this class, pretty good, man. It's not bad. It's not bad, right? And po- you want all positivity again. I'm gonna say it for a third time: the stat line, real quick. Okay, if this doesn't get you just like excited. And I don't know what will three hundred three yards receiving on eight receptions and three touchdowns, and that was in a single football game, one football game. Yeah, three hundred three yards. Think about that. All right. So we'll we'll, see. We'll see. But uh, we'll keep you all updated, of course, how that visit goes next week against Cal, and uh, the forecast for Taishan Lions shortly here. So. But we we feel good about where that one is. So, Sean, I went to wide receivers first because you mentioned the three-headed monster, obviously. Wanted to go backtrack to the guy we've already spent a lot of time talking about in this podcast. And that was Mr. C.J. Carr, who again led his Saline High School to a 42-7 victory over Lincoln in that game, Sean. Only played the first half he was a very efficient 13 out of 17 through the air for 177 yards and three touchdowns during that contest so Celine is now three and0 in the season CJ has a good first quarter and I mean a f- good first half and guess what Sean his brother Tommy Carr even got into this football game who's a freshman quarterback for Celine High School and he completed two his only two passes of the night for 28 yards so the quarterback position was dominated by the last name Carr, and it wasn't just CJ for Celine on this on this uh, on this Friday night game. And they will now travel to Monroe, who is two and one on Friday to hopefully continue their win streak at four, and they're now three and zero. Oh. So everyone keeps talking about CJ Carr, Sean. He had, a, he had a little bit of hiccups in his first game with a couple, inter, a couple of turnovers, two, two interceptions, two fumbles. But yeah. he's got it going in the right direction now, and Celine looks like they are going to be a very competitive football team with C.J. Carr, quarterback.
2: Uh, I'll be flat out honest with you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I don't care what C.J. Carr puts up. My prayer is that he stays healthy. That's it. <laughs> Yo, We have to keep this kid healthy for another season and a half. That's all. Just let him arrive at Notre Dame healthy and ready to go. But no, seriously, we we kind of predicted the ascension of his play after that first game. I think we both agreed that he came out, tried to do a little bit too much, that he would settle down, and then you would start to see why he is the five-star quarterback that is going to possibly be the first quarterback to come and lead Notre Dame to a national championship. Like mm-hmm. he's that type of talent. He's that yep. type of leader. And he's that type of mentality that you need at your program. And he he would definitely be a gap closer. You want to talk about gap closers? Yep. CJ Carr coming to campus would we'll close the gap. And it's very important. Look, we understand the void in a 23 class. And we talk about, Building another foundation, Mm -hmm. you know, having to tear down, rip out a foundation and build up another foundation to take you higher. And I think that's what Marcus Freeman and his staff are trying to do. I think it started with recruiting. And I think we all agree that recruiting is the bloodline of any program and its success. Yep. Currently and in the future. And so. Basically what we're telling you guys, if we're going to forecast the future of Notre Dame currently, as you said, Ryan, it's bright. Mm -hmm. It's a bright future. And CJ Carr is one of those beacons of light for that future to make you say, yo, (laughs) Hey, we have a quarterback. We have a K Kudnik type. We have a, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson we have a Bryce Young and I'm not saying he's on that, their level and mm-hmm. will arrive on the you know at that level when he gets to Notre Dame but you have a guy that yes. you can hang your hat on and that means the world in current day the current college football you don't understand how important that is to have a guy at that position moving forward it's very important Yep.
1: And I, I don't want to, again, we're not, we're not going to talk too much about the current staff right now. This is a recruiting hour. But all I'll say is if you have Tyler Buckner and you have C.J. Carr in a four-year span, if you can't develop one of those guys, then there's an issue, right? And it's not an issue of talent is, is all I'm going to put out there. So, yes, C.J., very good football player. I wanted to pull up this. This was funny. made me laugh from Mike Sullivan. Are you saying it could be a car at Notre Dame for about 10 years? LOL. Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea what type of player Tommy Carr is going to be, but Hey, if he's a good football player, I'd I'd be all for it. Right. So we'll see what happens, but it's a, uh, just made me chuckle a little bit. So appreciate it. So. Want to, and, and I see the questions about potential 2023 quarterbacks. It just make sure you stick around for the mailbag at the end because we'll probably start off with that, right? We'll talk about a 2023 class and what it could mean and reclassification. We'll get a little more in depth on that one. So, great questions as always in the chat. Appreciate y'all. So, uh, Sean, big one. This is my maybe my favorite not my favorite stat line because I already mentioned Tate Sean at 303 yards, right? But my favorite story. Is that Jaden Lamar missed the first week for Lake Stevens with the shoulder injury? Unfortunately, he comes back in week two with a vengeance. Sean Lake Stevens beats Bellevue 37-28. Bellevue's a good, a good uh, program out there as well as is Lake Stevens. Two hundred forty yards rushing and two touchdowns and only twenty-two carries, so he averaged over ten yards pop on the in the in on the grounds. He also hold in five receptions for fifty-five yards and another score. So my man had 295 yards of total offense and three touchdowns. I feel like Sean, the excitement over Jeremiah Love, and deservedly so, because Jeremiah Love is a fantastic player. I think yeah. somebody have some people have underrated the fact that, like, hey man, Jaden Lamar is a good player too, right? And he's going to be in this 2023 class. So I was very happy to see Jaden Lamar have this, this performance that he had in his first game back, recovering from a shoulder injury.
2: You have to feel good about this kid, right? And he's kind of I remember when he committed. That was like this excitement from us, at least, like, yo, this kid's a playmaker. I love it, right? And then we started to add some more guys, and he kind of just went into the back, like, and then he wasn't playing. And like you said, he returns this week, and you start to get excited all over again. And it's like, oh, wow, yeah. And then the competition, I think the competition up there in the Seattle area has been overlooked, right? Because the University of Washington, has been able to eat as a program off of the talent high school talent in that area for years. So, you know, people try to throw, you know, looking at his film and saying, you know, what's the competition like? Oh man, I don't want to hear that. Like they have been fantastic. So he's a very, very great player. It's good to see him back healthy. Hopefully he can continue to stay healthy. And once again, you know, we continue to tell Irish fans there is a lot of offensive weapons coming to Notre Dame next season. Like, I know how you feel about this season in this current state. The future is bright.
1: I believe so, man. I believe so. And especially if Notre Dame is able to close on Jeremiah Love, then if you're talking about Jeremiah Love and Jane Lamar as a duo in the 2023 class and then the wide receiver group that Notre Dame potentially is bringing in as well, it's, there's going to be weapons. There's going to be weapons from there. It's all about coaching, right? Hey, wait a minute. First,
2: the, say it again. Darian Price is going to show up too. Yeah. So Jadarian think- Price is basically <laughs> a,
1: a true freshman at that point, there's going to be a richer freshman at that point, but you're not wrong, man. Like he's a newcomer at that point. Right. So, yeah. Man, 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 man. That's a lot of speed, too. Like, a lot it, again, of speed. Pe- people, uh, anybody that says Notre Dame doesn't have speed at the skill positions is moving forward. Is I'm just not going to listen to you, right? Because Jadarian <laughs> Price is very fast. I don't know what his time speed is, but like, kid's got to be a four four type of athlete. Like he's is, he is lightning, right? We know Dylan Edwards is a four three type of athlete. We know Jeremiah Love is a four four something type of athlete. Jaden Lamar ran four, five, three, of uh, electronic time at, uh, at a, one of the camps out in California. And I know that he had the fastest time of the day, but he's also been tied to four, four, six. Four, in the four, six so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he can run Tayshawn yeah. Lyons can run Braylon. James was a four, four, seven kid at six foot three. Like there's some stupid speed at the, at the skill position for the 2023 class. Yeah. A guy that wouldn't be confused as a, as a speed guy is Cooper Flanagan out of De La Salle, who their team, they had a tough loss last week, Sean, a 24-21 loss to Sarah that came from behind in that victory. But they dominated St. Francis this week. Cooper, yeah. again, I mean, he's going to be ready to play pretty early, in my opinion, because there's a lot of work that needs to be done as a pass receiver because he just isn't asked to do much for De La Salle. Yeah. He can block his butt off, man. Really good blocker in the run game. And, Sean, I keep saying this, man, and i, I it's probably not going to happen, but I think Cooper Flanagan could play defense on the next level, man. Like, I keep seeing these highlights. I'm just like, I think the kid could play Viper if he wanted to. I, he's a tight end. He's being recruited as a tight end. I'm not saying that he'll ever be a Viper on the college level. But what I'm saying is that he's a really good two-way star for De LaSalle, man. And it was nice to see him just have, you know, another victory because De LaSalle is obviously – used to winning a lot of football games. So
2: yeah, you not think, much. You know, sure. yeah, that, uh, that Josh Burnham track when he gets to yeah. Notre Dame, a guy that was playing a little tight end, little wide receiver, little quarterback. And all of a sudden they saw his quickness and said, hmm, let's, let's put his hand in the ground and see what he can do coming off the edge. Yeah, he has shown so much versatility. I, I really never paid attention to him on the defensive side of the ball until you brought it up. Going back and watching that game against Sarah, and then like digging in on the film, like,
1: yeah, play man, kick and kick play, really
2: play. And I, I
1: know when I interviewed him before, Sean. I, sorry to interrupt, but I'll let you finish your point. But well, like, I, I when I interviewed Cooper, I I literally asked because I saw him play defense. I'm like, oh man, he kick and play, right? So I asked if, if teams had been recruiting him as a defensive player as well. And, and several several schools actually did prefer him on the defensive side of the ball. So yeah. it's it's not outrageous, man. Like, he's, he's a really good player on both sides of the ball.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of kids in the 24 class that I can say Notre Dame is recruiting. And, um, you know, you have to ask, like, what side of the ball are they recruiting you on? Yeah, <laughs> because these guys are two-way players and they're really good on both sides of the ball. And you like to hear that, right? Yes. Because that means like you're a really good athlete. Mm -hmm. And that means we can use you where we need you most or where we feel like we can maximize your talents the most. And you like to hear that. So uh, if a guy like Cooper comes and he is needed with the departure of Isaiah Foskey and some of the other guys that are going to be leaving, that are rushing to pass him, then by all means, he will be a welcome sight. At Notre Dame, even if because the tight end room is going to be in pretty good hands, mm-hmm. even with the departure of Michael Mayer with the two freshmen they have right now. And I think you're going to see the emergence of those two freshmen as the season goes on. So
1: hope so, man. Hope yeah.
2: So. Uh, having a talented kid like that with diverse talents is absolutely amazing.
1: Well, I'll say this, Sean, to your point. I, I have – and I'll never lie about this. When I was younger, I was like one of those fans that was like, ah, the season's over. Play all the freshmen, right? It's it's unrealistic, but I would like to see some of these freshmen get a little pay right? Like I want to see yeah. Tobias Merriweather. I want to see Holden stays. I want to see Eli Raridan. I, I walked past Raritan as he was coming into the stadium on Saturday, and boy. <laughs> it looks, it, it looks the part, man. Yeah. It looks the part. I want to see him play, obviously, but like he looks like he can play football. So I'm excited about that one. Charles Jagasaw, unfortunate loss this past weekend, 47-6 to against Rock Island, which is a crosstown rival for Allman High School. Elijah Page also did not come out on the winning end, 49-7 to pinnacle loss that game as well. But, Sean, there were a couple offensive linemen that were in action that did have a nice outing. So Joe Odding, who plays offensive and defensive line, to your point about guys being two-way stars, yeah, wins forty three to ten Hayden High School in Kansas over Silver Lake in a dominating fashion, and Peter Jones, who we talked about a little bit earlier, Malvern Prep beats Archbishop Wood, who Archbishop Wood is a really good school in the Philadelphia area, which is Pennsylvania, I should say, twenty one to three, and Malvern Prep is off to a two and zero start, and then Peter Jones went right back to South Bend the very next day, so he gets a big victory on friday and then he takes his takes his uh takes his game to uh or takes himself and his family to south bend after that for the marshall game as well so i sean i would say this offensive linemen are uh, is a position in general whether it's offensive tackle offensive guard center that i usually like to develop a little bit slower And I still would prefer that for the 2023 class. Peter Jones, of course, about the 2024 class, so Notre Dame fans won't see him for a couple years. But all I'll say is this, is that based upon how the offensive line looks right now, there's going to be a lot of competition and a lot of opportunity for some some offensive linemen to come in and compete on this offensive line, I think, for some snaps.
2: Let me tell you something. I watched the Texas-Alabama game. And all I heard about was that Texas was going to be starting red shirt freshmen and freshmen along that offensive line. And I said to myself, Whoa, that's a tough proposition going up against Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. Like, that's a lot to ask. And they looked pretty good when Quinn Ewers was in the game. And then all of a sudden, When the backup came in, I'm like, yo, what's going on? And he's getting hit a little bit more. And as much as you want the offensive line to protect the quarterback, the relationship goes hand in hand because a really good quarterback can make an offensive line look good. That's what I learned on Saturday. Like, you have a quarterback that knows – Pre snap, what's going on? And can get through his progressions quickly and be accurate. It makes that offensive line look really. We saw it with Bryce last year, right? Because that Alabama offensive line was awful, and he made them look better. Yep. Same thing with that. Quinn Ewers made that offensive line look much better than they did once he went left the game. Then you start to notice things with the offensive line. And so the reason we see offensive linemen losing games is because, look, Charles Jagasaw was on a much less talented team. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Rock Island is one of the biggest and best programs in the state of Illinois. Like, they had no shot. Like, literally, if you could bet on high school games, the line might have been around 50. Of that game, like everybody knew what the outcome of that game was going to be. So yep. that just shows you offensive linemen only have so much of an impact mm-hmm. on games. Yep. Like yes, you want to win the trenches, but I would ask you offensively, like if you ranked positionally the most important positions offensively in today's game. Not 20 years ago, Ryan, Mm because you do such a great work, a great job at scouting. How would you rank the offensive positions as far as importance of putting up points in today's game?
1: Repeat that one more time for me. I'm trying to let that sink The offensive
2: positions. So, yeah, quarterback, running back, wide Mm -hmm. receiver, offensive lineman, tight end. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, don't rank them. Where would offensive lines sit mm-hmm. in those rankings? For
1: the importance of scoring points is the yes. question, right? Um, I mean, quarterback's always most important because that's just the the paramount position. I I mean, offensive line's number two then behind quarterback. I mean, it is because it's, it's something where running backs, I, I mean, especially in today's game, where it's more committee approach than like featured back approach, right? There's if you have just a good running back, you don't need a great one. You can, you can score some points and you can be serviceable and quarterbacks can make wide receivers look a lot better sometimes. Now it's nice to have them, right? It's nice to have them, but I mean, you can't, you can't substitute bad offensive line play, man. Like for the most part, like, I mean, there's going to be some quarterbacks. I know we had a question in the chat that we'll get to in a little bit, but for me, the, the rare quarterbacks, like the, Tom Brady's and Peyton Manning's that get the ball out so quick that the offensive line becomes less of an issue. They're rare players, man. Like, it's yeah. hard to hide a bad offensive line. But it's, That's- it's so
2: much, you feel so much better having that guy that can do that. Like, and I don't think people like Bryce Young is that guy. Mm mm-hmm. like, Alabama's offensive line last year was not good. It's not good this year either. It's not good. <laughs> but- Exactly.
1: It might be worse this year than it was last year, believe it or Exactly. Not it's bad. exactly.
2: Yeah. But you yeah. know, as a coach and a staff, that you have a shot, mm-hmm. regardless of the poor offensive line play. And on top of him last year, he had two studs at wide receiver. Like, mm-hmm. yo, yeah. so this is 2022. And in recruiting mm-hmm. – and building a team you have to understand you just can't get caught up on the fact of being what the program used to be which is we have to be able to dominate with an elite offensive line i think elite offensive lines you only get those like once every six seven years if you're lucky in a program like no one gets McGlinchy and nelson and Ronnie and Stanley right before – like that run yeah. is crazy. sure was. And it just doesn't happen like that. And now we have been forced to experience just normal offensive line play.
1: Which is – it's been really – Sean, I actually just talked about this with my buddy earlier today. It seems like this year especially – Offensive line plays just been so bad in college football, yes. man. Like, how many good offensive linemen are there in college football right now? Like, I, I mean, I, honestly, how many would you quantify as good offensive lines? I think, like, my immediate thought goes to, I think Kansas State has a pretty good offensive line. I think Michigan has a pretty good offensive line. I think.
4: I think after that's what that, State has a Baylor. Shot. Baylor's
1: okay. Like uh, Ohio state, Ohio state's offensive line has been playing well. So I'll give them that. Like they've been very good so far outside of those few teams though. Alabama's offensive line is nothing special Clemson's offensive line has never been good if we're being completely honest like it's been better than it is now but it has never been like very good it's just been good at spurts yeah like there's not much good rate offensive lines in college football this year man it seems it's weird it's a little bizarre but we were just talking about that earlier man I'm just like some of these quarterbacks are just making chicken salad out of chicken you know what man like they are it's just like crazy
2: Absolutely. And that's why we go back to what we said. It's so important to have a CJ car to hang your hat on as a program moving forward. That's why the future is bright. Right? Because we truly believe he's one of those guys. And he's gonna he's gonna need time to develop. Like Bryce Young was blessed to sit behind Mac Jones and have that be the guy that he gets to watch as far as preparation and knowing the game pre-snap and you see the benefit of that as soon as he took the field and and hopefully you know someone can be there for CJ to sit and watch but I asked that question for a reason right because there's so much focus in the chat on the offensive line play look I think we need to relax And we need to understand that as a program, there are certain things that we need to watch. And at this point, if we don't get Quentin Nelson and McGlinchey and that level ever again, okay, you can still win. And I think that's what you're saying, Ryan. That's what we're seeing from the top programs. They don't really have dominant offensive lines, but they still find a way to win. Yeah. And that's even go ahead.
1: Yeah. I know. I just know, I know we're going a little bit too off track because this must be a recruiting show. But the la- last thing that we'll say that we'll get back to some of these week these uh, performances from the high schoolers this past week, both committed and uncommitted alike, and t- just key targets for Notre Dame is that I mean, Sean, like again, Harry hestan is is you know breaking some bad habits, you know, and, and, and I think we need to give him a little bit of time because I, I think his resume dictates that. But Sean, let's go to the defense side of the ball, defensive line wise, not a ton of great weeks. I mean, just from a team perspective for, for some of these high schoolers, Brendan yeah. Vernon's team who I put in this article, Brendan Vernon's mentor team in the first three games of the season had only given up 47 points combined on yeah. the year
4: yeah. and they
1: lost 48 to 28 this past week against Clarkson North, man. I'm like, Oh, it was not a good week. Obviously, you know, Brendan Vernon's going to do Brendan Vernon things, but there's just sometimes you just a little outmatched from a team perspective. Right. But they have been a, sta- a staunch defense over the first three games, and unfortunately, Mentor got did not have a good outing against Clarkson North. Another n- not great outcome was Armel Mukum and his Woodbury Forest team lost to Be- um, Benedictine. Benedictine? I don't know how to pronounce it. 42-17, to 17, so not, uh, not oh. a game to remember for him as well. A game, though, that is uh, – actually, no, last game that is not – you know, something that people aren't going to want to dwell on too much. Bullis beat St. James school St. James school features Devin Houston. It's in the Maryland, uh, in Maryland. They lost 20 to 14. Devin Houston actually had a pretty good football game. Five solo tackles in that game, a bunch of pressures. Did not have a tackle for loss or a sack in that game. But from everything that I saw, Devin did have a pretty good football game. The only winner of the defensive lineman, Sean, in the 2023 and 2024 class that were in, t- in action was Brandon Davis Swain, man.
2: Yo, I saw a highlight. (laughs) Let me stop, man. I was about to say something. I'll Uh just leave it at this. I actually watched a full game, and I saw more counter moves from him than I've probably seen from a Notre Dame defensive lineman all season in the first Uh two games. Uh Uh-oh. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah. The future is is bright, Notre Dame fans.
1: (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Well, he's an interesting player, Sean, because I, I'm I'm still thinking just for the future for Brandon Davis, Swing. because again, he's only a junior in high school, right. but he's a decent sized kid, right? Like six, four, 240 something pounds right now is only a 16 year old. So he's going to get a lot bigger. Is he your strong side defensive end? Is he a three tech eventually? I feel like he can fit into a couple of multiple spots, which is why they make. It makes such a interesting thing to follow because I think Brandon Davis Swing could be an impact player for multiple alignments for Notre Dame, potentially.
2: He might. And you know what? I, I don't like giving comps. I'll leave that to you as the... As the nah, uh, do comps. Guy. Do a comp. I always love the <laughs> comp, know? man.
1: Do the comp. Do the comp. And I'm not
2: talking about player, but I'm just talking about usage here. Yo, just he let him be the guy you just move around. Just move yeah. him around. Just, yo, this side, that side. You know, let them blitz from off the line. Just, just move them around, and and have the offensive line guessing, or the offensive uh, coordinator and the quarterback guessing the entire time where he's at. They have to identify him before each and every snap. He's the type of disruptor, gap closer that you need coming into the class in two thousand twenty four on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Now he uh he if again he was the first commit in the twenty twenty four class for Notre Dame so. Been impressed by what I've seen of Brandon Davis Swain so far. In my article today at irishbreakdown.com, which highlights a lot of these performances, post a little video of uh he, uh, he tweeted out, it, it's hunting season, Sean. And the one thing I love about Brandon Davis Swain too that I wanted to mention outside of just being physical and explosive is my guy plays with a great motor too, man. Like he never stops, which is yeah. awesome to see. So yeah. good football player in 2024. Linebackers, mixed reviews from the linebackers as well, Sean. The one thing I was happy to see, is the guy we talked about already, Drake Bowens Andrean team beats East Chicago Central fifty five to zero, dominant victory. So now they've yeah. won two straight wins on the season after starting, I believe, two and uh, oh, he, they start going oh, two. Yeah, and they've won two straight to get back to five hundred. So great to see from Drake Bowen and his squad. Also, Patrick Clax the third, who was on campus twenty twenty four wide receiver mm-hmm. for the Marshall game. Was also obviously a member of that Andrean team that won. Jaden Osbury and the University Lab suffered a their first loss of the season. They're now two and one, 17 to fourteen against Archbishop Rummel. Shame, I mean, Sean, because they only got seventeen points. So it's, the defense played well again. The defense had had back to back shutouts to start the season for University Lab. So Jaden Osbury is a part of a very talented defense down there in University Lab. They'll try to get back on track next week. Against Catholic BR. And then the last one was Preston Zinter. Massachusetts football is finally back, Sean. Isn't that nice to see? <laughs> so, but it, unfortunately, it did not go Central Catholic's way, which is where Preston Zinter plays. They lost 38 to zero, but Preston is a very talented linebacker in the 2023 class for Notre Dame and a player that also is a very good tight end for the team as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, not, not much from the linebacker unit as far as standouts. It was better results for the defensive back, Sean. I know I want to talk about one specifically Christian Gray. They defeated Chaminade, Desmet Jesuit, 40 to zero, sir. So Christian Gray is another one that I think just does not get quite the attention he deserves in this class, in my opinion.
2: He was in a good mood on his visit. I can tell yeah, you I'm that. Sure, he was. You see every picture, he's all smiles showing the chiclets. Like he was in a good mood, happy to be back home, as he calls it. and. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he likes being that guy. But, I mean, yep. this seems to be the trend, you know, with the defensive back recruits. No one was really talking about Jaden Mickey. Nobody was really talking about Benjamin Morrison. Christian yep. Gray seems to be in the background of 23 class. But yet and still, you know, as Marcus Freeman said it, these are guys that Mike Mickens has come in and stood on the table and said, we need to get this guy. We need mm-hmm. to get this guy. So mm-hmm. as a talent talent evaluator, you have to love hearing that and trust Mike Mickens' ability to see talent because his resume bears that out, that he can recognize the traits that need to be necessary to be a really good cornerback, and he can get them ready to play because he's done it. So yep. I totally agree with you. It was good to see Dismet get on the board, too. But they had a tough yeah. loss in game one. Then they had to take that shellacking from IMG that we knew was coming. <laughs> yeah. And, I
1: felt so I felt so bad for this man, because I'm like, they're they're a good football team. It's just their first yeah. two games were pretty yeah. daunting, if we're being honest. Yeah. Like it was tough, man. Like yeah. that first game, you know, they, they lost a close one, obviously, but then you have IMG the second game. It's just like, all right, well, that's it's yeah. not great. It's not great, you know what I mean? But it yeah, it, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. They're a good football team regardless. Micah Bell, they fell the Kincaid school to Archbishop Shaw 21 to 12. He's a playmaker on both sides of the football for them. Big win for Denton Geyer, Sean, 50 to 27 over Lancaster.
4: Of course, yeah. Peyton
1: Bowen is involved in that football game. 2023 safety commit for Notre Dame, as well as the younger younger brother Eli Bowen, who is a 2024 cornerback target for Notre Dame. Adon Schuler. Kept his Irvington team to 3-0, helped to to lead them. He's made plays as a punt returner and on defense for Irvington so far this season. They will be traveling to Columbia on Friday, which I might try to be in attendance for that game. Columbia is off to an 0-2 start. Irvington, of course, coming off of the state championship from last year. So keep your eyes on that one for this week. Might have some additional highlights on that one, hopefully live. Ben Minich, Lakota West, Sean. 31-0 31-0 over Oak Hills. And again, I just keep talking about Ben Minich because wasn't incredibly high on the commits. Like, I think he's a good football player. I was just missing it with him a little bit. But they are off to a 4-0 start. He continues to make a lot of plays on the offensive, defensive, and special team side of the football. So, again, going to gonna take my L on this one. I may have been a little bit too, too low on Ben Minich, but there was some really good signs for the defensive backs in the 2023 class. If they're able to keep this group together, of a Don Schuller, Peyton Bowen, Micah Bell, Christian Gray, yeah. and Ben Minich, the defensive back room looks pretty good in 2023.
2: I still say that cap Ben Minich as a late addition reminds me of Drew Tranquil in his class. Wow. Drew Tranquil was a late switch as well, a battle between Purdue and Notre Dame in his recruiting class. And he came in, and all of a sudden, he comes in into fall camp, and everybody's like, yo, this dude is just making plays. And Ben Menich is just one of those kids It's like, you know who he plays next to, but somehow, some way, he continues to make plays in games. On both sides of the ball, it's like, you know, he's not the big name, but he finds a way to make plays. And I think whether it's special teams or just – uh, situational football. He's the yep. type of kid that will come into your program, and what he does is he forces the guys with the bigger names to step it up because yep. he's coming. He's going to compete, and when you see him competing, you're like, "Oh man, he's coming for my job." We everybody starts to elevate their play and the way they compete because of a kid like this. So fabulous! Looking forward to seeing him finish out his career and they'll be in the hunt for a state championship with the talent they have. Yep. And then he'll be at Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, man. Of course, joined by Malik Hartford on the back end for that team, Lakota West, who is a very talented football team to your point. Sean, one thing I like about Ben Minich is even if he's never a star at Notre Dame, he's going to be one of those guys. I think just always pushes guys around, Mm -hmm. you know, like he special team stalwart. Wouldn't be surprised if he's a pretty good contributor for the team down the line on the defensive side of the football, but I, I, I know that he's a worker, which you yeah. need you need those types of guys. So yeah. that's that's pretty much the whole scope of the committed players. We talked about Tayshon Lyons a little bit earlier in the show. The other big matchup, Sean, was Jeremiah Love's Christian Brothers took on Ryan Wingo's St. Louis University squad. Yeah. Did you see the score of this game? Was <laughs> 63 to 35, Jeremiah Love and Christian Brothers came out on top. So, yeah. not, not too much uh, stats. I know Jeremiah scored multiple touchdowns in this game. I know that, that Ryan Wingo had a touchdown catch in this game. So, well represented from a, tar- a key target perspective. But Christian Brothers outclassed St. Louis University in this one, man. It was a
2: dominating win. Dominating At this point, win. Christian Brothers, they're the bullies on the block in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. It's been like that the past three years. And, um, they bullied. They gave. That's their only two losses last season, you know. And Christian Gray. So then they bullied Ryan Ring Wingo, Squad. And you look at Jeremiah Love's touchdown runs. Yep. The balance, the cutback ability, the vision, the speed. We got to get this kid, man.
1: It's silly, man. I'm it's sorry. Silly. I just had. I had a
2: moment. My fault, Ryan. I just had a yeah. moment. Nah, no man. Seriously, we have to get this kid. Like he is a must. He's a gap closer. I,
1: it's funny. So me, me and Brian made different comps for him. He compared him to CJ Procyse. I saw a little bit of Josh Adams from like the cut and explosiveness perspective. Yeah. He might be a combination of both, man. Like he's oh. got the best of both worlds, yeah. in both in both instances. He, so
2: he, he really does, and he has. Yeah. I think he's going to fill out nicely. Looking at his shoulders, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, he has wide shoulders, so that frame can take on a little bit and not lose speed. So I feel good. I feel good about his recruitment. I really do. Yeah. I feel good about his recruitment. I think he's the type of kid that, you know, will listen to people he trusts, but ultimately will make the decision that he wants to make that he feels like is best for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And I know Spartan 888, just put it in here. Ryan Wingo double covered all game. And when he was made huge plays on Friday, Yep, that's exactly a great way to sum it up, man. Ryan Wingo's a stud. He's an absolute stud. And everyone that goes against him, they know it. And another keynote on that game too, Sean, is Christian Brothers also has Jeremiah McClellan, who's a target, wide receiver target in 2024, is also a very talented football player. So nice to see multiple Notre Dame targets on the field in that one. Before we get to the mailbag, Sean, I want to quickly go through some of our reactions to college football this past week maybe we won't spend as much time as maybe we wanted to but obviously there was a lot to talk about from the visits the game the game week in general quarterback recruiting all that type of stuff so around the around college football this past week sean some interesting games notre dame wasn't the only one that got upset by a sunbelt team obviously texas a&m loses to appalachian state 17 to 14 app state the previous week also sean they almost beat North Carolina, man. They were they were down to the wire, 63 to 61 loss. So, shout out to Appalachian State, man. They're playing some good football for one and they they take down Texas A&M in a very close 17-14 victory in this one.
2: Ryan, what we're seeing and what we were able to see at Notre Dame Stadium and even in that game, the transfer portal has impacted college football. 100% As you have kids leaving Power Five conferences that have the confidence that they can play against other Power Five kids when they get to their new destination, like in App State, like in Marshall. So when they walk into stadiums, the intimidation factor that allows those teams in the past to go up by 17 points off the bat is not there. Yeah, It's not there. And then the pressure goes on the home team or the big program Once it gets into the second half and deeper into the game, and it's a one-possession game. And Mm -hmm. one mistake can be the difference in matchups like that. So it's just a result of the transfer portal. Chase Bryce has possibly worked himself into getting a look on the next level. Like I saw him, you know, come in. People, people were excited about him, man. When he traded yeah. to
1: Duke, because he was—I mean, he had—he had a—he had, had that one game against Clemson uh, when he, when he was at Clemson, where Trevor Lawrence got hurt, and he he looked pretty good in that football game. So yeah. you're right, you're right. right he yeah, like so well,
2: he's worth. Speaking of Duke, my God, they got a, this Riley Leonard kid. He's baller, man. He's a good player, good football player. Woof. He is. Yep. Have fun with that one, Ryan. Watching his film over the next couple of years. Hmm. Hmm.
1: No, nah, man, he's uh. He, I didn't know much about him. I saw him in the first game where they beat Temple, and I was like, again, it's Temple, I get that, yeah. but I was like, oh, kid's got something, man. He's like 6'4", 2'12", yeah. good yeah. athlete, can throw the football. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I like it, man. I like it. So, yeah, no, that that was a, uh, he's a good football player. And to your point, Chase Bryce has played pretty well over the last couple weeks, and yeah, I think the biggest thing that we can take out of Texas A&M before we move on to the next game is – Texas A&M has so much talent, they just have not gotten the quarterback position right, which is odd because that's kind of been Jimbo's thing, right? Like, at least the the perception is that Jimbo Fisher can produce the quarterback position. He's not been
2: able to get it done. He's a terrible coach. He's a terrible coach, right? Uh-oh, get him. He's terrible. Go off. He's a (laughs) terrible coach. So what? He has a national championship. He's a terrible coach. So what? He was viewed as an offensive guru. Under Bobby Bowden at Florida State, and before he got there, so what he coached under Nick Saban. He's a terrible coach, he's horrible, or is it just that sometimes your players don't do what you think they can do?
3: Hmm. I, mean,
2: I mean, I'm just I, I, asking the question. I mean, I don't, I saw an interesting stat. He has the same record as Kevin Sumlin. Okay. It, through the same amount uh, of games,
1: I, I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not
2: sitting here saying that Kevin Sumlin is a better coach. That's not what I'm saying. All I know is that's that's not a good look. No, it's that's not, not a good look. So you can hey. take the nil and shove it.
1: Oh <laughs> well, I'll say, man. There's not much excuses for Jimbo, man. I know it's a oh. tough league, obviously. I get oh. it, but I mean, again, he has a lot behind him from a. Money perspective, he's a lot of talents on that roster in general, and the and the fact that they're continuing to underachieve it's not great, not great. So, uh, yeah, to your point, I, I saw the same graphic that had Kevin Sumlin's record next to it. I'm just like,
2: oh, okay, Well, that's not a, it's not yeah. great because, yeah, yeah, no, not at all. I would think Texas has more momentum than AM right now mm-hmm. in that state. Think so? Yeah, hmm. yeah. I, I would take the quarterback and Sark over Jimbo and what he has right now.
1: Yeah. I I think that it's it's a tough one for me, man. I just need to see more from Sark. I do think Sark's a really good offensive mind. I I agree with the premise of what you started with, though. I do think Jimbo's a little fraudulent. I do. Like, I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's bad, like you're saying, so. but like I don't yeah. I definitely think he's extremely yeah. overrated, in my opinion. Yeah. He's extremely overrated. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I agree completely, completely about that. So next game, what to hit on? You mentioned it already. Sark, man, Texas almost beat Alabama, Sean 20 to 19. They had their chances, even with Quinn Ewers out for the second half of that football game. Hudson Card had to play come in. Yeah. Oh man, I was rooting for Texas. I was rooting for him, man. And I'll give I, I want to give them a shout out real quick. I did not think that they would be as I don't want to say they're good yet, but I will say that I did not think that this game was going to be overly competitive. And I think you can give some of that credit to Alabama because we already mentioned this. Our offensive line, Alabama is not very good. And no. the wide receiver, wide receivers right now are not making plays for Alabama, right? Oh. So, it, I think they made it a lot closer than it should have been. But either, regardless, hats off to Texas, man! They came out there, they put their head down, and they played a tough, tough football game in
2: this loss. And I'm sure everyone feels the same sentiment. Well, I'll say this: having Quinn Ewers and uh, Arch Manning in the holster, you got to feel pretty good. That's a Texas fan. If those are your next two quarterbacks, with a little Hudson Card thrown in over the next three to four weeks, while Quinn Ewers he recovers, yep, I'm, I'm feeling good about the
1: quarterback position. You, you a, have you have Malik Murphy behind the scenes too, man. Who's a yeah. pretty talented
2: kid. too. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, yeah so. Texas,
1: Texas has some dudes at quarterback, no doubt. Hey, Texas,
2: can we borrow a dollar? Can we? Can we have one? Can you let us hold one at Notre um, Dame,
1: man? <laughs> For the yeah, time I mean, Man, it, it's and it's a shame though. Quinn Ewers, of course, got knocked out of that game. And I think he's gonna be out four to five weeks. I think I yeah. saw on Twitter. I, I don't know if that yeah. was a verified source or not, but yeah. so he'll be out for a little bit. But Texas defense played a lot better too, Sean. That was like the thing yeah. is I, I mentioned it. Alabama definitely helped their cause, but yeah. they also played pretty well on defense, man. If they,
2: did. I, it was, they it was, did, it was it was it was crazy and to watch. Also, uh, former Notre Dame linebacker Obiageli Agofo. Agofo, I mean. Out there yeah, making yeah, plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Oh, yeah, making
1: plays, coming off the their edge. Their, their D-tackle, number 99, I, I think it's Coburn. Coburn. Yeah. Keandre Coburn. He was dominant in that game, man. Yeah. I'll say this. Alabama has some potential at offensive tackle with, like, J.C. Latham and stuff. Their interior offensive line is bad, man. Like, it's bad. Like, Notre Dame fans, I get it. Notre Dame's interior offensive line is bad right now, too. But yeah. Alabama has similar problems, man. Like, they're... Emilia Akior is just not a good football player, and the the interior in general is just not very good. So, yeah, yeah. Coburn had a nice game, though, a nice game. Texas played some defense, man. It was nice to see. I'll be honest.
2: Yeah. We hadn't seen Quinn Ewers, right? Had not. He all in high school, but we had not seen him on the college level. Small sample size, people, but I'm shaking my head watching him like, Okay. He's, All right, he, he's stupid yeah. talented, man. He yes, is yeah. stupid yeah. And his yeah. demeanor, like he, the game is slow to him. You can see the way he manipulates the pocket, the way he was moving. You know, those are some pretty big boys, big time players coming after him, Dallas Turner and, and Will Anderson. And he he showed himself well, and it didn't hurt that he had a wide receiver that no one on Alabama could cover. Like they didn't, they didn't have anyone. No, that could, that could stick X. Like Mr. Worthy proved himself very worthy to get man. all that out the
1: accolades. Having, having Xavier worthy, a wide receiver, and Bijan Robinson a running back is a man. cheat code, sir. Woo. It's a cheat code. Yeah, it's very good. You know who else is a freak? I don't think he did much in this game, but that sophomore tight end they have, Jatavion Sanders or whatever he is, former five-star recruit. Yeah, that guy's a dude,
2: man. He's a dude. He's a dude. Yeah. So and they awesome. didn't have the transfer from Alabama. He suspended for the first six games to Lil Billingsley. Yes,
1: yes. So uh man, he is he is such a frustrating player from an NFL draft perspective. Yeah. I was really excited about him last before last season. Yeah. And then you know he went to the dog house and didn't produce yeah. and had drops, all that type of stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. Fresh start with Sark. You know, last time we saw it with Sark, there was a lot of positive signs. And then, Sean, he gets suspended for the first six games of this season. So, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with Jaleel Billingsley, but he's a very talented player whenever he gets back. if Someone's going to have
2: to overlook some character issues because they're going to dig into his past. That's oh, what yeah. NFL teams do. Oh, and yeah. They're going to have to say he's worth the risk for whatever reason and take a shot.
1: And He's going to have to start producing, though, in order to get that spot, oh, he to get that
2: opportunity. So, absolutely. we'll see what happens, man.
1: All I know is – if they're healthy down the stretch, Texas is going to be a scary team, man. If Quinn Ewers is healthy and they have the trio of running backs, I mean, we didn't even mention Roshan Johnson, who I think is a good football no. player. Keelan yeah. Robinson, former Alabama running back. Yeah. They have Xavier Worthy. I know Isaiah Nayer got hurt, but you have Sanders at tight end. You have little Billingsley potentially. A lot of talent, man. A lot, a lot, a lot of talent. So,
2: yeah. did you uh, Were you impressed with Bijan's ability to get the tough yards? We knew he could be. You know, the yeah. home run play. But he ran for some tough yards against Alabama.
1: He did, man. He uh I'm still I'm struggling to find a good comp for him, but he is a dense physical runner who also has some silly lateral ability, man. Like yeah. he has some jump right. cuts where you're just like, Oh, oh, right. oh, oh, all right. right. That's interesting. So yeah, he, uh he's Running back one for next year's class, though 2023 NFL draft. Write it down. Bijan Robinson yeah. is special, special yeah. football player. Ne- next game, Sean. This one is pertinent to Notre Dame a little bit. BYU mm-hmm. beats Baylor. Baylor was ranked number nine in the country. They won yeah. 20. Uh, what was it 26 to 21? I think it was somewhere in that ballpark. 26 it's to 20. 20, right? 26 to 20. Yep, it was 26 to 20. It's kind of an ugly game, man. A little bit. I mean, Baylor offensively i just feel like they were just like so stringent on like let's get this run game going that they sacrificed i mean i don't know how good blake shapen is a quarterback he's the one that went into the big 12 championship game last year and beat and beat uh beat oklahoma state State, but it just looked like they don't have any it's a similar thing to what we're dealing with now or we were before the tyler buckner injury it looked like he just doesn't have much trust in blake shapen but yeah, it was
2: uh Big win for BYU, though. BYU is
1: looking like a good football team so far this year.
2: Yeah. And they shouldn't have much trust. I think the entire Baylor squad really was the star of the Big 12 championship game. They played so well around him that it enabled him to go ahead and produce until the game got tight. And then you start to see the screws kind of come loose. On his overall game, as Oklahoma State got closer, and that's why Oklahoma State had the opportunity to win the game towards the end because some of the mistakes he was he made, and they really weren't aggressive. You would think, like, okay, an off off season to progress and get better, and Dave Aranda still didn't have the trust in him, and maybe Aranda just look. We knew that they would be a test for the BYU offense defensively. We knew that. We knew he would return a really good defense and they would go in there and play well. I thought BYU would pretty much jump ahead and kind of hold on. But it became a defensive battle. And Baylor was right there. It was 2020 in the fourth quarter. You know, they had their opportunities. But the home crowd and, and, and Hall, at quarterback, you know, we say the better quarterback won. <laughs> I mean, a big game, two even teams, and the better quarterback won the game. And, you know. Where have
1: you heard that before? I don't know, Sean. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that alone. Last game went to touch before we get into the mailbag. USC rolled Stanford, my friend. Rolled Stanford. I watched most of that game. It was 41-28. to 28. It yeah. wasn't even that close, if we're being honest. I mean, USC looks good offensively, which we expected. They I expect, do. I mean, Gail Williams threw for like 300-something yards. He looked really good. Running game, I think Dye had over 100 yards in this football game. Let's say this. Yeah. Yeah. The guy I wasn't super excited about before the season, and not super excited from a college football level, but like NFL draft perspective. I thought Jordan Addison was a good football player. I I thought that he was a little bit of a product of the system at Pittsburgh a little bit, but I'll say this, man.
2: He's been balling so far
1: (laughs) this season, man. So USC is going to be a tough offense to stop in the last week of the season. They are.
2: My only thing with USC is I don't feel like uh, I still see cracks defensively. I like the middle linebacker transfer gentry, the way he's been playing. He that's a solid pickup for them. But in the trenches, I still see where teams can move the ball and run on them. Because EJ Smith was having a really good night. He you know, EJ Smith's son. He Emmitt was having Smith's a really son, good night. Yep. Yeah, he yep, was having yep. a really good night. And I was disappointed in the overall performance of Tanner McKee. I mean, they got stopped inside the USC 10 twice. You know, McKee, McKee made a, a
1: great throw to the back pylon to number 81 that I think they yeah. overturned it at that yeah, point. Yeah, it was a it great did.
2: throw. So, you know, early on, they had opportunities where they were going back. They could have gone back and forth offensively with USC. And then it's like, with a great offense like that, and you don't have a defense that can really stop anybody, which is pretty much Stanford over the last three seasons, once you give them extra possessions and they get out the front, that's pretty much it because, you know, Stanford wanted to run the ball and be physical with USC and take them into the deep waters, and they couldn't do that once USC jumped out in front because they missed the opportunities in the red zone early in the game. And that was the ball game. But I still like Tanner McKee and the offensive line and EJ Smith. You know, they just can't stop anybody. Yeah. They can't stop anybody. So, but what I've seen from Utah and Arizona State, Mm -hmm. physically, they're going to be able to give USC problems. Not Arizona State, Washington State. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Washington State and then Oregon State. I think it's an upcoming program as well. Oregon
1: State's a tough football team, man. They're a yeah. tough little team. They are. Yeah. They are. They yeah. they they match physicality and they play good football. And and I think mm-hmm. me, I talked with Brian about this before, Sean. Oregon State for being a team that is, you know, a little under athleted at times, right? Like they don't quite have the talent yet. They're still building it under Jonathan Smith. Yeah. They're not really gimmicky. Like they're not yeah. winning with, with smoke and mirrors. Like they're just playing yeah. good football. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's it's interesting. So yeah. It's it's gonna be it's yeah I I it's gonna be fun to watch just how the USC team continues to develop because I I, I wasn't super high on them but they've started out pretty good we'll yeah. see kind of what happens when like you said they match up against a couple more of these physical teams and see yeah. kind of the difference of styles I think that's yeah. gonna be an interesting thing to watch Stanford man Sean every time I watch them I'm just so disappointed <laughs> because they there's talent man there is like I I yeah. just it, Tanner McKee is a talented quarterback. Benjamin yes. Yurisek is a really talented tight end. Michael Wilson, Elijah Higgins are talented wide receivers. EJ yes. Smith is a talented running back. Yes. The offensive tackles look like a million bucks. Yes. But they're just not good, man. They're just not good. That's just
2: yeah. 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 It might not be time. Good. It might be time for a new leadership. It might, it just might be.
1: Yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I don't want to dwell on it too much, but yeah, Stanford. I I feel like I talk with Brian every time we talk about Stanford though. I'm just like Stanford has so much more talent than what they show on the field. like. I just don't get it. There's going to be several players off the Stanford team that are going to be drafted in the NFL next year. uh, Several Walter Rouse is going to get drafted. Left tackle is a good player. Tanner McKee, if he comes out, is going to get drafted. The wide receivers are going to get drafted. Cornerback uh, Caillou Blue Kelly is going to get drafted. Like there's guys, man. For whatever reason, it was like, Sean, do you remember Thomas Booker? I know Notre Dame was yeah. high on him last – like, he came out last year. He was a fifth-year senior defensive lineman. That kid was so talented, so talented. And for whatever reason, he never became the player that he should have been at Stanford. And we've seen that 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 record played over and over again, man. Like, don't yeah. you remember when they got – for Sarrell at offensive tackle and Walker Little. And I mean, Walker Little has some injuries. So like that one's not technically their fault. But yeah. like Foster Sarrell looked unplayable by the end of his career at Stanford, which is just weird, man. Weird, weird. weird. But that's going to do it for our college football round table. Just wanted to hit on a few of these games after talking a little bit of recruiting. Do not go anywhere because we're going to transition into the mailbag. Already have 28 questions that I've starred, which is, Awesome! You guys have dropped in a lot of great questions. If you haven't dropped in a question yet that you want answered, you should drop it into the chat now, and we continue to star and get through a lot of these questions before we transition to the mailbag. Though, yes, Sean.
2: Shout out to my alumni, baby.
1: Oh yeah, yeah! They (laughs) did have a
2: nice victory. It
1: was a dominating win, wasn't it? It was like over Virginia, man. That defense
2: used to hold the the day while the poor quarterback (laughs) played. Oh, man. I know.
1: Tom, Mr. DeVito, man. Mr. DeVito. It's your boy. It's your boy, Tommy D. Um, Yes. But uh, I, I, yes. But anyway, we're going to transition to the mailbag. Before we do, you can please like, share, subscribe. Give us a five-star review. Tell everyone that the Recruiting Hour is the greatest section of irishbreakdown.com. We really appreciate you. If you're listening on any of your podcasts, Apple Podcasts is very preferred for those types of ratings. If you haven't signed up for the message board, again, we're going to have intel on Jeremiah Love here pretty soon. We're going to have intel on a few other recruits because, again, this is a recruiting show today. Would appreciate it if you would go sign up there as well. So, Sean, we're going to transition into the Notre Dame, uh, sorry, Notre Dame recruiting mailbag next, but it could be general. You want to ask us about the team. You want to ask us about recruiting. You want to ask Sean what his favorite food is. It doesn't matter, man. Just throw in those questions in the chat. We'll get to that. Next.
4: MyPatriotSupply.com